Amen. I was going to preach from James this morning, but I got an email, actually two emails on Wednesday that, that made me change my mind. So the first email was good news. Email from the Weston here. They gave us approval to meet this morning. That's why we're here. We're grateful for that. We need to get approval each week. And then a couple hours later, I got a second email from the Weston, which was not as good news. And what they said was that uh, they'd been informed that we need to get approval from the Islamic Authority to continue meeting after this morning. Now, we've known this could come at any time. We just moved ahead and trusted the Lord. And so that email came on Wednesday. And, and this is big. This is a big issue for us. And so what this could mean potentially is that this is our last Friday at the Westin. And God has another plan for us. Or this could mean that God's going to work an incredible miracle this week. And we will see you all back here again next Friday. We will let you know, by the way, what's going on. So as I was praying and, and talking with Angus and Dio and Jan and just seeking the Lord, I, I really felt like we should take this morning and talk about this issue. And, and, and I wanted to preach on, I'm going to preach on God's promises for our problems. And I thought I would do this for a couple different reasons. One is because this is, this is a big issue for us as a church. It's a big potential game changer. We don't know what this could mean for us. And I thought it would be helpful to give us time to process this, to think it through biblically, because I don't want anyone feeling fearful or discouraged or anxious about this. We have no reason to be afraid of anything. We don't know what the outcome is going to be, right? But we do know God. We know his holy son, Jesus. Right? People say we don't know the future, but we do know the one who holds the future. And knowing him is enough. And I tell you, I, I've had moments of fear and moments of, of anxiety, but I tell you, and you've experienced this, when I turn back to the Lord and say, okay, now, who are you again? And what do you say in your word? I've experienced the Lord bringing me amazing peace. I am a free man. I don't know what's going to happen next Friday, <laughs> but I know it's going to be good. And so I want to take time for us to process this together, because this, it is hard news. It's, it's been difficult for me to receive this and say, okay, Lord, what are you doing? I'm sure it's hard for you to hear me share this right now. You're probably a little bit in shock, a little bit stunned. I don't blame you at all. Uh, I've had a few more days to process this, but I thought it would be helpful to look at scriptures because I want you to leave here this morning strengthened, encouraged, full of peace, full of hope, and excited to see what God's going to do. So that's one reason, okay? Second reason some of you are going through huge problems right now, bigger than where we're going to be next Friday. Medical problems, health issues, financial setbacks, job worries, marital difficulties, tensions, parenting heartbreaks, whatever it might be. Some of you are going through much bigger problems than the question of where we'll meet next Friday. And this will be helpful for you because I hope to encourage you with what God's Word says about trials what God's Word says about problems. I want this to strengthen you in your theology of, of suffering and trials and what the Bible actually teaches so that you'll be encouraged and so that you'll be strengthened and so that you'll have fears lifted and be filled with hope about your problem that you're facing. That's the second reason. Third reason is, if you're not going through a big problem right now, you will be soon, okay? 
Paul said when he made a follow-up visit to all the churches he'd planted, Luke tells us, gives us a one-sentence summary of what he preached, and he preached this. The road to the kingdom of God goes through many tribulations. That was the sermon. The road to heaven goes through lots of trials. See, too often if we're, if we're facing lots of trials, we can think, well, I thought I was trusting Jesus. I thought I was on the road to heaven. You are, because the road to heaven goes through many trials. And so if you aren't in a problem in a trial setting right now, I want to do all I can to ground you in the scriptures so when the waves of life, the winds of suffering, the storms of difficulties come, you are solid and strong and your anchor is going to hold. I want your anchor to hold when you go through trials. Okay, one last reason. Some of you aren't following Jesus yet. You haven't come to that place in your life yet where you, you have received him and all that God promises to be to you in him. And we are glad you're here this morning. You're here, you're learning, you want to learn more. We're, we're, we're grateful for that. But I hope that this morning, this will give you another glimpse of who Jesus will be to you in the midst of the trials and the difficulties of life. Jesus is so precious. He's always precious. But he is so precious through times of trial and suffering and difficulty. And I hope you'll see and feel that today. And that maybe today will be the day when you will come to see who he is and trust him as your Savior and your Lord. So those are the reasons. Sound good? You're trapped. This is what we're doing. Okay, here we go. Now here's some background. God's called us to plant a church in the Musafa Muhammad bin Zayed area. And we want this church to glorify Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was equal to the Father as we sang, enthroned in the Father's love, fully God, and he came to earth, gave up all of that, laid aside his divine powers and privileges to become a man so that he could share humanity with us. He never sinned, but he came to earth. Why? To die on the cross for us. Because of Adam's sin, we've all been born with hearts that sin. We're sinners by nature. We're sinners by choice. It doesn't mean that we do a couple bad things every day, as we talked about last week from Romans chapter 3. It means that in our sin, we never turn to God with genuine love and delight in Him and trust in Him. Even when we do charitable things or loving things, it's to make ourselves feel better. It's to relieve feelings of guilt. It's to impress other people. It's not because we love God and we worship Him. We did nothing Godward before we were saved. We deserve God's judgment because of our sin. But Jesus had compassion on us and mercy, and he came down to earth, became one of us, fully man and fully God, died on the cross to pay for our sins so we could be forgiven. And so the moment you, anyone here in Muhammad bin Zayed, Khalifa City A, Musafa, Abu Dhabi, the moment anyone trusts Jesus Christ as their Savior, their Lord, their treasure, instantly, all their sins are forgiven. Past. All those past sins, forgiven. Present sins, future sins, completely forgiven. You're reconciled to God. God is now your loving Father. No condemnation ever. Never any punishment from God. Just love and joy and goodness and delight. You're adopted into God's family. All of God's promises are yours for the rest of your life. He will raise you from the dead, bring you into his presence forever. That's who Jesus Christ is. He saved us in that way. And our passion is to glorify Jesus Christ here in Abu Dhabi. Musafa, 
Mohammed bin Zayed's. We want to plant a church which glorifies Christ, which strengthens people in trusting Jesus Christ, which raises up husbands who love their wives as Christ loved the church, raises up fathers who love their children, lead their families towards Christ, raises up wives who gladly follow their husband's lead and who love their kids and who glorify Christ in whatever else they're doing. We want to raise up believers who are growing and loving each other, who are bold and sharing the gospel. We want to be planting home groups. So there are home groups throughout Abu Dhabi. We want to be planting churches throughout this region. God's called us to plant a church here. There is no doubt in my mind. And a building is being built in Musafa for us. We have a home. It was supposed to be finished last fall. You know how construction goes. Now they're saying later this year. We'll see. It is being built though. Buildings there, things are happening, change is taking place. So we have a building set in Musafa. We started home groups last June. God blessed those so many. God drew you and other people to us. We thought we need to start meeting on Fridays, and so we started here December 18th. We're surprised we could meet here. Everybody said this would never be allowed. Uh, we thought for sure we'd end up at the theater in Dalma Mall. They said no. The Westons said yes. We said okay. And so we've been here for seven Fridays, and this is Friday number eight. And God's been meeting us here. The worship has been rich here. The children have been taught about Jesus here in our children's ministry. We've been learning the word of God here. He's been doing a powerful work here. And then Wednesday, I get this email that we need to get permission from the Islamic authority if we're going to continue meeting. Now, I'm so grateful that the Islamic authority is committed to religious freedom. And they're, they're still trying to figure out how that all works in this land. And so, you know, how much can churches, you know, how much liberty can be given to churches? And so the, the, they've got their hands full. Pray for wisdom for them. But I'm grateful that they are committed to religious liberty. And so we're going to ask them if, if they would let us meet here until we have our permanent building. And they could say yes, which would be wonderful, or they could say no. And we will respect their decision and honor them whatever they decide. But this means there could be some big changes for us as a church. And so I want to look at promises in God's word that deal with trials and suffering and problems. And let me just remind you, Planting a church is not a problem-free endeavor, right? We're, we're advancing the gospel into areas, you know, where there are not churches. We are doing a pioneering work. We shouldn't be surprised that there's problems. In fact, not, not only is planting a church problem, being part of a church, right? We're, we're doing God's work, and, it's, and there's, there's kingdom warfare going on, and so we shouldn't be surprised that there's problems. So don't, we shouldn't be too surprised here. But I want to look at some promises, what God says in his word about trials and problems and suffering. This will be review for some of you. This might be new for some of you, but it will be helpful for all of us. We all need to see this again and again and again. Let's start with the story of Job. You can look at this on your own. Job chapter 1 and Job chapter 2. Remember, Job was the most righteous man in the whole world. So don't ever think that the more righteous you are, the fewer trials you will have. One of the messages of the book of Job is to help you see that that's not the case. And Job experienced a terrible trial. To start with the one that happened in chapter 1, 
Job got news one day that some raiders had came and had stolen all of his oxen and killed those servants, stolen all of his sheep and killed the servants looking over the sheep, stolen all of his camels and the servants looking over those camels, and that a windstorm had came and collapsed the home where his children had all been together and all of his children had been killed. So in one day, Job hears that all of his wealth, that's what's represented by oxen, sheep, camels, and servants, all of his wealth was gone, and his children had all been killed. And how does Job respond when he hears that message? The Bible says that he tears his clothes as a sign of grief and sorrow, and he falls down on his face, and he worships God. God, you are glorious. You are worth everything. You are good. You are faithful. And here's one thing he said. The author of Job tells us, Job chapter 1, verse 21. He says, the Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So Job understood that, yes, God had given him the ox and sheep, camels, servants, and children. And God had taken. Even though Satan was involved, even though raiders were involved, ultimately it was under God's sovereign control. So the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. And the author of Job knows that we might wonder if Job is speaking the truth or not. It's a shocking statement. Not that the Lord gave, but that the Lord took away. And so look at the last line of verse 21. The author wants to make sure we understand. The author says, in all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. The author wants us to understand that what Job said was right. The Lord had given, and the Lord in his sovereignty had taken away. So what I want you to see from this is that God is sovereign over every trial that comes our way. God loves us. He always only brings good to us, but that can mean at times bringing us trials, which will bring us even more of his goodness. That's what the Bible teaches. The Lord gives the Lord takes away. And because he is good in all of this, wise in all of this, loving in all of this, we can trust him in all of this. We say, blessed be the name of the Lord. That's what Job teaches us. So God is sovereign over trials. When trials come, God is not surprised. God is not wringing his hands, wondering what's happening down there. Somebody do something. The email that came Wednesday, God is not saying, oh no, we've got a church there. You know, what's going to happen? God purposefully allowed that to take place on Wednesday. God could have kept that email from ever coming until we moved over to Masafa. God chose to have that email come on Wednesday. God is in control and God is good and God is going to do something amazing through this. I wish I knew what it was. I really hope it's going to be that we're here next Friday again. But even if it's not, God is good. And he's got something even better for us than being here next Friday. Do you believe that? 
That is absolutely the truth. So that's Job chapter 1, verse 21. So don't, don't ever say to yourself, you know, well, we live in a fallen world. Bad things happen. Yes, we do live in a fallen world. And yes, bad things do happen. But God's in sovereign control of it all. All of it. That's what Job 1 teaches us. Now, Jeremiah 29, 11 gives us good news about God's plan. So if trials are part of his plan, here's what we know about God's plans. Jeremiah 29, 11, God is speaking to the nation of Israel. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare. That's the Hebrew word shalom, well-being, welfare, shalom, peace, wholeness. Plans for well-being, welfare, and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. I read a blog post just this last week, actually, saying that we shouldn't apply this today because that was spoken to the whole nation of Israel in the Old Testament. I disagree. Yes, it was written to the Old Testament, but God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is revealed to us in the Old Testament so we see more clearly his faithfulness, his love, his justice, his mercy, his goodness. Now, God doesn't have the exact same plans for us as he did for Israel, but the God who had those plans for Israel has plans for us that are also not for calamity, but that are for good, that are for shalom, right? We can totally apply this statement to us because God doesn't change. And so what that means is that God is not surprised by this development at the Weston. God has a plan, and this development at the Weston here is part of God's plan for us. Like I said, I don't know what God's plan is, but God is not worried. God has a plan for Grace Church, and this is part of his plan. So we can be at peace. We know good is coming. Great good is coming. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for your welfare, not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. So we know that this has been purposefully allowed by God. It's going to bring us as a church and individually great good, and it's going to bring him great glory. So we can rest in that. Proverbs 21.1. I love this statement of God's sovereignty over people's choices. Proverbs 21.1 says, The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He, the Lord, turns it wherever he will. So here's the picture. The, the king's heart, stream of water, making different decisions. Okay, So if the king's heart is flowing over this way, and God's will is to have it flow over this way, God will just divert the flow over this way. And instead of the king making this decision, the king instead will want to make this decision. That's what God does. The mystery of how God can be sovereign over our choices and have us make real choices that the Bible just teaches both of those right there and right here. So what this means is that if God wants us here next Friday, then Sunday when I go visit with the Islamic Authority, sometime this week, we aren't sure how long this all takes, they will say, yes, you can meet here this next Friday. If that's what God wants for us, then that's what they will decide. If they don't decide that, then what does that mean? That's not what God wants for us. Do you see that? The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He, the Lord, turns it wherever he will. So we can be completely at peace. See, this is not ultimately about the Islamic authority. It's their decision. We respect their decision. We appreciate the fact that they're committed to religious liberty. But this is ultimately about God. God is going to do his work. God is going to decide what happens with us Friday. 
so we can be completely at peace. Jeremiah 32, 27. Memorize this promise. This is very powerful. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? Now, uh, at first I, I'd, I'd heard that, that the Islamic Authority had never allowed a church to meet anywhere outside of the officially designated places like where we're going to in Masafa or ECC. But Dio mentioned to me, somebody he knows, where they got a, uh, permission to meet. So there are exceptions. Okay, so at first this just felt impossible to me. It still seems a little bit daunting, but, but um, there are exceptions. But, but here's the point. Even when it looks completely impossible, is God worried? No, because nothing is too hard for God. Let me give you a couple of examples. Remember the story of Israel after they'd been delivered from Egypt. They'd been slaves there. They were delivered. Remember the Passover, all the plagues? They were delivered, and God said, you know, move this way towards the Red Sea. And so they moved, all of them, and they, were, they came up to, the, to the, uh, the shore of the Red Sea. So there they are, the Red Sea in front of them. They can't go any farther. God told them, go towards this. And what happens next? Remember the story? They hear thundering hoofs behind them, and they turn around, and Pharaoh's armies are coming. Pharaoh changed his mind and said, go get them and bring them back. So here they are in an impossible, seemingly impossible situation. The Red Sea in front of them, if they go ahead, they will drown. Pharaoh's armies galloping behind them. If they go this way, they're going to be killed. Pharaoh's armies, Pharaoh's armies, Pharaoh's armies. And you remember what happens, right? What does God do? God does the impossible. God was not worried. God had a plan. Pharaoh's armies coming were part of God's plan. God told them to go right towards the Red Sea. This is all part of God's plan. Does God ever lead us into like fixes which seem impossible? Very, very often. Okay, God led them to not go around the Red Sea, but go towards the Red Sea. God, did you lead us here? This is impossible. Boom, Red Sea parts. Nation of Israel goes across on dry land. Pharaoh's armies come in after them, take advantage of this new roadway through the ocean. God has the Red Sea closed back up and they are all drowned and God's people celebrate on the other side. And here's what they sing. Here's Miriam's song of praise. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Can you imagine? Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? I would guess almost all of you have seen God do amazing things. Maybe not that dramatic, but dramatic, where you said, this is hopeless. There's no way out. God help me. And then God does something incredible to deliver you from that. We've all seen that because that's who God is. So I want you to understand this. If we don't get approval to meet here from the Islamic authority, it's not because that was too hard for God to do. It was not too hard for God. It's because God has something better for us. One other story. Israel's being invaded by a massive army of Moabites and Ammonites and Munites. This is 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And Jehoshaphat calls all of Israel together for, for fasting and prayer because they're, they're just going to be slaughtered. I mean, look at the numbers. This massive army. They can't match them in any way. So he calls all of Israel together, fast and prays. Prays this powerful prayer. I would encourage you to read it. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. 
And then he closes his prayer by saying, Lord, we're standing before you, all of us. Our eyes are on you. We don't know what to do, but we're looking to you right now. And then God brings a word of prophecy to one of the men there. And here's part of what he says. 2 Chronicles 20, verse 15. Thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde for the battle is not yours, but God's. This is what I would say to all of us. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. We have absolutely no reason to be fearful or worried about this. Our God is in control. He has a plan. He will unfold his plan. And that's what he did here. The battle was not theirs. It was God's. And what God did was he had the Ammonites start fighting the Munites. And the Munites start fighting the Moabites. And the Moabites start fighting the Ammonites. And they all killed each other. Poof. Threat gone. Big celebration came out with Israel. The battle is not yours but God's. Look at Psalm 8411. Memorize this promise as well. This has been so encouraging to me. This is one of my 4 a.m. when I wake up worried about things promises. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. He shines like the warmth of the sun with his love upon us. And he's a shield to protect us. The Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. And then look at this next line. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Now, some of you are thinking, well, that disqualifies me right there, right? That walk uprightly part. Let me explain what that means. It does not mean sinless, because it wouldn't apply to anybody if it meant sinless. Walking before the Lord uprightly means walking before him humbly, seeking to trust him, seeking to obey him. And when you sin, asking him to forgive you, turning back to him saying, help me, I don't want to do that again. Help me to keep following you. That's walking uprightly. Not being sinless, fighting against sin, but when you stumble, confessing it, repenting and getting back. If you are holding on to some area of sin willfully and deciding to continue sinning in that area, then you are not walking uprightly. And this promise does not apply to you. Turn to Jesus. Say, help me. This sin's got too much power over me. I can't overcome it. Help me. He will. He will forgive you. He will help you. He will free you. Let us pray for you afterwards. It'll be a battle. It'll be a war. It'll be a fight. But he will do it. So not walking uprightly means you're clinging to sin and not bringing it to the Lord Jesus. But if you're confessing your sin when you stumble, if you're seeking to obey him, if you're saying, help me to trust you, you're walking uprightly and the promise applies to you. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. So what that means is that if we don't get to meet here next Friday... That means that was not a good thing for us. You see that? Because no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. And so if he chooses not to have us meet here next Friday, it's because he has a better good thing for us than meeting here next Friday. 
I'm not sure you agree with me. I can tell you're still thinking. Uh, jot down Jeremiah 32, 40, and 41. This is another one of my favorite promises. This describes the new covenant. God says, I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Everlasting covenant, that phrase in the Old Testament, is always a reference to the new covenant. I will make an everlasting covenant with them that I will not turn away from them to do them good. I will not turn away from them to do them good. And I will put the fear of me in their hearts so they will not turn away from me. That's the new covenant. And I will rejoice over them to do them good. And will faithfully plant them in this land with all my heart and all my soul. So once you put your trust in Jesus, your sins are all forgiven. From there, from there on, God is rejoicing to do you good every day. He's thrilled about the good he's going to do for you every day. He's only going to bring you good every day. That does not mean you'll be free from suffering. Because God in his love and his wisdom often brings us suffering and trials because he's got the precious gift in those trials of even more of his nearness, even more of his grace, even more closeness with him. And there's nothing, nothing better than more closeness with Jesus Christ. So when God in his goodness brings you a trial, maybe you're going through it right now or it may hit you this next week and it's hitting us as a church now. When God in his goodness brings us a trial, it's because he has a precious gift for us of more nearness to him through that trial. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. So we can say when trials come in God's wisdom and love and goodness, this is a good thing in God's plan because he's going to bring me great good through it every time. No good thing to see withhold from those who walk uprightly. Now, this doesn't mean we are passive in the meantime and just wait to see what God will do. We need to pray because of Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11. Here's what Jesus taught. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find... Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. How many of those who ask, receive? Everyone. Underline that in your Bibles. Everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? God has chosen to use our prayers to accomplish his sovereign will. James says you have not because you ask not. So we need to be asking this week for God to open the door for us to stay here. That's what I want to encourage us to do. Prayer is part of how God accomplishes his work. Now, this verse does not mean that everything you ask for, God will give you. Remember Paul's thorn in the flesh? 2 Corinthians chapter 12. People debate what exactly that thorn in the flesh is. But it's very clear in the passage, this is something that Paul prayed that God would take away. Three times. And the word used to describe prayer there is a word describing particularly fervent and impassioned prayer. Father, remove this. This was very difficult for Paul, whatever it was. Remove this from me. 
This is Paul the apostle who'd served Christ faithfully. Three times he prayed. And what does God say to him? God says, with great love and tenderness, no, Paul, I'm not going to take this away. Because in this, I'm going to give you even more of my grace, even more of my power, even more of my nearness than you would have had without this. And how does Paul respond? Therefore, I will boast in my weaknesses because I've got more of God in them. So I use that as an illustration to show that it's not the case that everything you ask for, you will always receive. Here's how I explain prayer. Every time you pray, God will do one of two things. He promises. Either he will give you exactly what you're asking for or something even better, which you probably wouldn't have received had you not asked. So I want to call us to, to pray fervently and passionately. So here's what we're going to do, how we will respond. Seven steps I want to encourage us to take. We're going to pray, okay? Very important. I want us to fight to trust God's promises. This week, in regard to this trial or whatever trial problem you're going through, start to make a list of God's promises. And when worry rises up, fear, despair, discouragement, pray over God's promises until you feel the Holy Spirit using the truth of that promise to strengthen your faith and change your heart. He will. So fight to trust God's promises. Ask God for wisdom. Lord, give us wisdom for what we should be doing here. Give us wisdom. Give Pastor Steve wisdom. Give the steering committee, Angus and Dio. Give, give wisdom, Lord, for what we should be doing. We're going to be seeking counsel from others. I've talked to Pastor Joseph, who's from the Arabic church, who's had a lot of connections with the Islamic authority. How best do we proceed? You know, what do we do? I'm going to be seeing if I can talk to Dio's friend about how that worked and how he approached them. Let's ask God to open the door for us to stay here. We're going to be thinking through alternatives. I mean, I don't know for sure that we're going to be here next Friday. I, I, God hasn't promised us that. There's no promise in the Bible that says that. We're going to pray for that. So we shouldn't presume. We need to think, okay, backup plans. What else might we do? So we'll be thinking through alternatives. And I want us to pray some more. And I would encourage you, I would ask you, those of you who are able to take a day this next week and fast and pray for this. If you're not able to do that, then no problem at all. If you are, or to whatever extent you can, I would encourage you to do that. Whatever day works for you. Fasting earns nothing from God. It's simply an expression of our desperation for him. We need you, God. We can't do anything about this. I need you more than food right now. As much as I really wish I had some food, I need you even more. That's fasting, okay? And so fast and pray if you're able to. And then we're going to keep you posted. Now, if you have not received email from Grace Church, fill out one of those cards as you leave so that you'll be on our email list. You can also check our website. We will keep information there. But I want us to close our time here by, by having us pray together. And I've asked some to Dio, Angus, Amy, Jan, why don't you guys come up and stand right up here? And there's a mic there. So Jan, Angus, Dio, Amy, and then I, I'm going to close in prayer, and then we're going to, let's have the worship team come on up, because then we're going we're to close our prayer time by singing, there is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. Excellent song. So team, come on up. Very good. And I'd like us all to stand, 
And would you unite your hearts with those who are leading us in prayer? Let's pray together as, as God's people unite our hearts in prayer together. We know that stirs God's heart even more. It touches God's heart even more. It moves God's heart even more. It's his mercy. It's all, we earn nothing. It's all of his mercy. But let's, let's join together. So, Father, I pray that you'd come right now and enable us to unite our hearts together in prayer. We need you, Lord. We don't know what to do. Our eyes are, are looking on you. We're trusting you. So come and work right now as we pray. So go ahead. Angus. Heavenly Father, we want to come here to worship you this morning. Um, just as we've heard from Job, that even though he had trials, um, his response was to worship. Um, so we, are, of course, are coming and pleading with you and asking you for us to stay here. And Lord, we want to thank you for this grace that you provide to see us through um, our trials and through our weaknesses. Um, we know there is great comfort um, to be given um, through your son, Jesus, and we thank you for that. And it's just great that we are a body and we recognize that the church is a group of people rather than a building or a place. Um, so, Lord, thank you um, for that you will be close to us through this week. Yes. In your name. Amen. Mm -hmm. Yes. Go ahead, Dio. Father, we trust you. Everlasting King, if you always show up. You are never late. Yes. Always on time. But you say we should call upon you and you will hear us. Mm -hmm. Father, we call upon your name, oh Lord. Thank you for the privilege of gathering together in this nation to serve you. Yes. To be part of what you are doing in this land. Father, we are grateful. Fill our hearts with joy and laughter, oh Lord. Mm -hmm. Help us to rejoice at what you are doing in our midst, oh Lord. Draw us closer to yourself, Father. We ask you for breakthrough beyond our imagination, yes. God. Speak to our hearts, Father. Mm -hmm. Help us to pray right. Help us to think right, oh God. Mm -hmm. The clarity of mind and purpose, oh God, grant unto your children. Mm -hmm. Help us to step out of here with joy. With laughter. Yes. Thank you, Father. Mm -hmm. Hear our cry, Father. Mm -hmm. Yes, Father. Hear our cry, Father. Jesus. Mm -hmm. Jen? Almighty God, King of kings and Lord of lords, we know you see our need in this situation. We come before you now and ask for your mercy and compassion for this time. This is your church, and you are in complete control over where we meet. You have a good plan for us. We are trusting you to lead us and to provide for us. Mm -hmm. You are a loving father who only gives good gifts to your children. We ask that you would make a way for us to stay here at the Weston. Give us favor with those who will make the decision. We pray that a meeting could happen this week and they would give us approval. Thank you for this country and their commitment to religious freedom. Mm -hmm. Only you see our future, and you know what is best for us. We will trust you for your answer. Mm -hmm. Keep us seeking you in prayer this week, mm -hmm. and give us patience as we wait on you. Mm -hmm. We give thanks to you for your steadfast love that endures forever. Yes. 
Yes. Jesus, we love you. Mm-hmm. We want to serve you. We want to worship you, and we want to bring honor and glory to you. Yes. And Father, we thank you that your word says that if you are for us, who can be against us? And Father, we come before you right now, and we ask for wisdom. Not earthly, human wisdom, God, but supernatural, mm-hmm. spirit-breathed, spirit-led wisdom, Father God. James 1 verse 5, Lord, you say that you give generously wisdom to those who ask, and we thank you in advance for it, God. Father, I just pray for Pastor Steve and for our um, steering team, Lord God, as they approach leaders this week, Father. I just pray that you would anoint the words out of their mouth. Give them insight and wisdom on what to say, who to approach, when to ask, Father God. Father, we thank you that you are the light to our path and the lamp to our feet, and we trust you, everlasting Jesus, with this. Yeah, I just pray that you would stir our hearts this week to listen and our ears and our eyes to see and hear what you're doing in this place, God, Mm -hmm. and that we would partner with heaven. And we just thank you for what you're going to do in our midst. Yes, yes, yes. So, Lord, we agree with these prayers. I pray that you'd strengthen us as a church. I pray that no one would be discouraged or fearful When fears and worries arise, let us turn to your word and seek you and cry out to you and meet us this week. I pray that you would give wisdom to us. We want to thank you for how you've opened this door for us to be here through these past weeks. And we pray, Father, that you would open the door for us to continue here. That's what seems best to us. That would be the easiest step to take. And so we pray that you would open the door for us to continue here. We submit this into your hands. We trust you. We know you are good And we will trust you whatever you do. But Lord, we ask that you'd open the door for us to stay here. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's worship the Lord.